uh, just reminds you that we're here to celebrate what God really is doing throughout the week. Um, we're not just here for entertainment's sake. Um, so praise God. Morning, everybody. Um, we are uh, currently going through the book of John. For those that are new here to MacAv, um, we are going through a little piece at a time. And uh, today, we're actually going through two little pieces uh, in the book of John, chapter 13. Um, we're going to be going through uh, 18 through 30, and then uh, 31 through 38, kind of take them in two separate bites, and uh, probably spending more time on the second piece. Um, so let me make sure the clicker's working here. It is. Praise God. Um, we're going to dive, dive right. Does anybody need a Bible? I know Leon's um, carrying Bibles around if you... Uh, want to follow along in the Word of God? We encourage that. Please do. Um, so yeah, just me real quick. I know we've been praying for a while. <laughs> let me uh, again. Let me just ask the Lord to uh, to guide us as we get into His Word. Lord, pray that Your words would uh, come forth today. That it wouldn't just be my own thoughts, but Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would um, be communicating Your truth to Your people. Uh, Father, continue to set us on fire for You, that we might uh, live lives as Eric just proclaimed that are. Um, may look radical, but really are just uh, filled with your spirit and trusting you. Help us to learn more about that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, family. Okay, uh, so real quick, I'm going to read this, this first passage, this first chunk. Um, it's been a while since we were in chapter 13, but I believe it was uh, three weeks ago. Nate was up last, and he was in chapter 13. Uh, and then last week, if you remember, Eric jumped uh, to some, some closing thoughts in chapter 12. Um, but Nate uh, taught about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So this actually, this piece, picks up right after that. Uh, and it says, I am not referring to all of you, Jesus says. I know those I have chosen, um, but this is to fulfill the scriptures. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to the disciple, this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it into the dish. Then dipping this piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, Iscari- Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus uh, said this to him. Since Jesus had, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. So a big uh, section of scripture one that oftentimes has me sitting here um, wondering, um, why did Jesus sell out the kingdom of the universe? Why did he do this 
for 30 pieces of silver. Um, I mean, he had been with him for the past couple of years um, in this uh, discipleship relationship, spending time with Jesus. Um, He had to have seen the miracles. He had to have um, experienced the love of Christ on many fronts. Why? Come on, man, 30 pieces of silver? This is God. (laughs) Why would you do that? Um, then I, then I go to my mind kind of goes to the thought, well, well, it says the Satan entered him. Was he just a zombie? And he was just kind of a, a messenger, you know, and, and it was really Satan. So we'll just blame Satan. Jesus is off the, or Judas is off the hook. Um, no, I wouldn't go that far. Um, uh, you know, as I reflect on it, Judas was basically a man, um, uh, like you and I, um, who had a sinful nature. And it just so happened that his weakness uh, was money. Um, in this case, he chose, he made a decision. It was a bad, sinful decision, but he chose his God, which was money, over the God of the universe. And it was such a big scale, a grand scale, it looks to us like, what? <laughs> but, we, but, but we do it all the time. <laughs> we chose things over God all the time. Um, and so... Uh, obviously there were repercussions to this sin, to this decision. Um, but I just want us to remember uh, what the Bible says about a person uh, in a state where something else is their God. Uh, let's look at Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Uh, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following the desires, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So Jesus' God was, was money, according to this passage we see. Um, and, uh, and actually, earlier in the Gospels, I believe it was um, earlier in Matthew pointed out that he sometimes took uh, money whenever he needed it because he was the money carrier. So there are other (laughs) instances uh, where Judas was obviously um, in love with money. Um, But but family, we look at this passage and uh, uh, apart from Christ, this is the state that we're in. it may seem crazy that this man sold out the king of the universe for 30 pieces of silver, um, but he was, he was a slave to his sin. Um, and that's why I said Satan entered him. Uh, he had to do it and to some degree, not, and again, not letting Judas off the hook, but he was a slave to sin. And the Bible is very clear that apart from Christ, um, we are all in the same boat. We are all in a place where uh, we just kind of follow Satan, do what, he, do what he wants us to do. And I know uh, Eric's used the analogy puppets on a string before. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. It's, it sounds like, what, me? No way. Um, but that's the humility that the Bible <laughs> encourages as we read it. No, even you. Um, you need Jesus as well. So were we just left in this place? Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3? Um, no, we weren't. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 picks up and uh, explores uh, what, what God did in response. And it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. 
Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved, and God raised up uh, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So how does the bondage uh, to sin stop? Who rescues us? Uh, this passage says very clearly that it's, it's Jesus, and it's by faith. And I know a lot of you are thinking, Eric, we know this, um, but fam, uh, I can't help but look at this passage where Judas um, made this poor decision and not take an opportunity to remind us, no, this is the, this is the good news that we proclaim. Uh, this is what frees us from, um, from entrapment. Um, and so it's not, it's not faith and controlling your temper. It's not faith and good church attendance. It's not faith and being a good parent. Uh, it's not faith in anything you can bring to the table. Um, Christianity is not a works-based religion. Um, being a Christian is about trusting Christ to do what you couldn't do yourself, escape from slavery. That's what Christianity is about. Um, it's not, uh, again, I know we get this confused, fam, um, because it requires us doing something. <laughs> and so we confuse us, the things that we do, and we start to think that we did it. No, God uh, grabbed us from a place where we were um, enslaved to sin. And that's why it's good news. That's why, that's why we come here, we rejoice, we get excited, um, because it's something that God has, has reached in and done in our lives. Um, Rich, do you have a question? Um, being a Christian is, uh, uh, I think I wrote it down here, yeah. Being a Christian is about trusting in Christ to do what you couldn't do yourself, uh, escape from slavery of sin. Thanks for that, that request. Um, let me see here. So slavery is, okay, uh, through, through faith alone. So family, my encouragement to us is, is not to be a Judas, um, a lover of things that are not God. Um, and in conjunction with that, I think it naturally follows that we would want to be a family that shares this reality with others, that we would share this truth with others. But remember, when people are in Judas's position, still stuck, stuck in sin, it's not, e- it's not always easy <laughs> to want to share the gospel. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, rebelliousness, sin, evil, uh, it doesn't, it's not like, hey, man, come hang out with me. <laughs> um, those kinds of things usually um, are appalling. <laughs> um, but the love of Christ is what motivates us in that position. Uh, I was just reflecting on this reality uh, and thinking about a, a neighbor of mine uh, who lives across the street from me. My first interaction uh, with this gentleman, um, I was walking out in my driveway to do something, and I saw him painting a big white F on the uh, utility pole in front of my house. And I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? So I, I walked right over to him, kind of frustrated what's going on, because he had just done it on the one across the street as well, and now he's over by my house. And I was like, uh, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? And uh, he kind of just lipped back, whatever, I feel like it. And I'm like, hmm, well, uh, I, I live in this house right here, and I, I don't want to really look at that big white F every day. 
And, uh, and then he again said, I can do whatever I want. And so I thought right, right away, okay, this guy's probably not going to be somebody that I can uh, really have a conversation on a, <laughs> on a deep level with. So I said, well, I'm going to call the cops. You know, <laughs> this is public property. You can't write a big F on the utility pole. Uh, and by the way, he was telling me the whole time what the big F stood for. You can probably imagine. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just, uh, as calmly as I could, walked back to my garage, got my garden hose and a bucket of water and a sponge, and just walked up to him. I'm like, whoosh. And uh, not on him, but on the pole. And uh, <laughs> I would like to do it on him, but uh, I started scrubbing it off. And, you know, the whole time he's holding his paintbrush, just standing there, yelling at me, swearing at me. And then he eventually went back to his house. And the whole time, look, yelling obscenities in the air. And I'm just like rubbing this off, like, man, where am I? <laughs> this is crazy. This is my front yard. And uh <laughs> got to clean my own utility pole. So, so let me tell you, fam, when I think about sharing Christ with him, <laughs> I don't get excited. <laughs> Uh, I was out on Thursday, this past Thursday, I was talking with a new neighbor, actually having a really good conversation. Um, he had just moved in next to me and hearing kind of his heart about a uh, soup kitchen that he runs. So we're out just hanging out talking. He's got some little kids out front. It's 1030 at night, though. And uh, all of a sudden, the same neighbor comes walking out from a, across the street, across the apartment building, takes this huge, I don't know, like pickle jar or something, and just chucks it in the middle of the intersection of Cadillac and Charlevoix as there's a car driving into it. I mean, barely misses the car. You know, get glass shatters everywhere. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, he just started cussing again. I'm like, man, this guy. <laughs> um, so, so I say that to say, it's not, obviously that's an extreme case of someone that uh, is... is, is Entrapped in sin, um, but that's the reality, folks. Um, that those apart from the saving knowledge of Christ are are slaves to sin, um, and so God has given us this mantle, uh, this exciting mantle, to to share the love of Christ with those that are not experiencing it. And uh, of course, it's up to them what they do with it. Um, our role is just to be faithful. Um, but fam, pray for me as I think about my neighbor, and uh, I want to challenge you as you think about those in your lives that. Uh, are difficult uh, to talk to, let alone um, share the most, um, the best news of our lives with. Um, so, fam, I want to I want to move on from uh, from that section of text because I really want to hit um, some of the things that Jesus says in uh, verses 31 through 38. And oh yeah, I, I forgot that I made a couple of pictures here. So remember that God has freed you, family. Um, so free others. Um, so this next section of scripture, uh, John 13, 38 through, uh, 31 through 38, begins what is known as the, uh, the farewell discourse. Um, and it, it, it kind of takes through John 14, 15, and 16. So we'll be tackling into that a lot more in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but basically, it's Jesus now with the 11, and he's sharing with them uh, some of the most important information that they're going to need before he's killed, before he goes to be with the Father. And so they're still wondering, where are you going? But he told them already, he's going to be with the Father. Um, and they'll see shortly what that means. Um, but so this is information that, uh, you know, I kind of vision it as, uh, if you had, you know, one day left with your closest friends, 
what would you share with them? You would share with them uh, the things that, um, A, were closest and nearest to your heart, but the things that um, you knew were going to help them to live out the rest of their lives. And so, especially if you're your teacher, <laughs> you've been teaching them a lot, so the things that he focuses on are very important. Um, so John 13, 38 through, or 31 through 38. Yeah, Jamie. Mm-hmm. It was all sanctioned or determined by God, correct? It was his plan to get him to that moment. Yes. Yeah. That's hard when you think of Judas. Judas' decision. You know, I think it goes back to I mean if if I if I hear you correctly, you're saying um, how could it? How is it kind of like? Is, is Judas getting off the hook now? Because it was God's plan anyway. He was just kind of this this rogue. Um, and I think then we have to remind ourselves of this this reality in John or in uh, Ephesians two that a, um, apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus, we're actually all on that same boat. They could have been anybody, um, but it was Jesus. It was Judas in this particular equation. And it, I'm glad you asked that question. In the back, there's a, there's a little booklet by John Piper that I, um, I gave out probably two months ago to those of you who were here. If you weren't here then, Leon's heading one up there. It's, um, it, Leon, can you read the title of that for us? And it really dives more in depth into your question, Jamie. So I, um, rather than spending more time on it now, please pick up one of those books. And as for the rest of you as well, um, it really helped me as I think through this role of Judas more. One so. more quick question. Is there a difference in how people were able to make decisions and understand Christ pre-cross versus post-cross? Mm. And, um, you know, I, I do think about that, and I wonder, you know, hey, Judas was given so much by spending time with Christ, but he wasn't given the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit now. Uh, and that's, a, that's a, a large portion of what the, um, the farewell discourse is actually about, is Jesus introducing the role of the Holy Spirit. So, good questions, brother. Let me read this text. When he was gone, Judas, that is, Jesus said, uh, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. 
So there's a couple of little tidbits uh, in this passage. Um, we're going to um, look first at this whole idea of, of glory, and uh, um, we'll glorify him at once. Um, what's going on here is, is basically Jesus is um, proclaiming that through his death, which will happen at once in a short amount of time, um, that God will be glorified and Christ will be glorified um, well, we believe in the Trinity, so we understand that, that Jesus is God, and so he will receive glory as well. Um, why, how could God receive glory through death? Um, how could anybody receive glory through death? You know, I thought about that for a while, and death is uh, humiliating, it's uh, weak, it's, um, not, it's not popular, it's... Uh, it's ugly. Um, I mean, you can go on and on about all the reasons why um, death does not seem very glorifying, um, especially if you think about it just in that sense. Um, life is much more. <laughs> um, so why why death? Um, and and kind of and again, think about this a little bit. But what if um, God is most glorified? when Jesus experienced the shame of the cross, um, the, the shame that he experienced on that, the humiliation, um, the sacrifice that was made, uh, we believe, on our behalf, seeing the, the rest of the scriptures. Um, no, there's something more to this, uh, this, this act, um, this, this humiliating act um, that I think motivates his new command that he's going to give in a minute. Um, but it's interesting. We, uh, as people, um, we seem to, uh, how do I say, we, we acknowledge this, this death that Christ has made for us. We embrace it. We um, live in light of it. And then we have a tendency to forget or take it for granted. Uh, we, we have a tendency to become almost entitled um, and I, I was thinking, uh, I heard a really great story that I think um, should be a warning to all of us as, it, as far as it comes to being entitled uh, with what Christ has done for us, this, this glory that he underwent through death for us. We had dinner with uh, uh, Ryan and Lindsay, a new, new couple at Mac Ave, who actually weren't going to be able to make it today. But Ryan was sharing a story about... Uh, uh, a, a man that he had helped numerous times um, to get a meal. So he works downtown, and he would often go to the, the drive-through at the Burger King down on Fort and Warren or Fort and Trumbull. And uh, there was a man, uh, very smart in my opinion, who would stand, you know, probably ten feet away from the, the order booth <laughs> and uh, ask for money because he knows you got money because you're about to order food. Um, and so he was begging for for money, and. Uh, uh, Ryan, who shares a similar um, conviction to me, didn't want to give just cash and not trust what the man was doing with the money. And so I said, hey, why don't, why don't you get in my car? We'll go through the drive-thru together and I'll order, order you lunch and then you can get out and do your thing. And so the man said, okay, I'll, I'll jump in. He got in. They went through the drive-thru, ordered a meal together, and he used the, the five minutes or so that he had to get to know the guy a little bit better. And then he dropped him off and uh, said, God bless. And... Uh, Went back to Burger King the next day. He's there again. And so, okay, hop in. And so it, it kind of it became 
um, <laughs> it became a normal event to uh, um, to give this this man who was begging at the Burger King drive-through a meal um, and go through the drive-through line together. He said it probably happened 20 times. I'm like, man, you you're giving, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, but then one day he he came. And uh, the man just had a different, a different look. And um, he said, hey, how you doing? Uh, you hungry? Jump in. And he's like, no, I need money. Can I have some money? And uh, Ryan said, no, I, you know, I told you before, I'm, I will definitely feed you. I'll give you food. Um, but I'm not going to give you money. I'm sorry. And the guy started cussing him out and left. And I thought, you gave him food how many times? <laughs> and now this guy is so ungrateful um, because you're not giving him what he wants. Entitlement. Um, and I know that's, a, again, that might be more of an extreme case, but, but family, put yourself in, uh, uh, in, in the beggar's position and put God in Ryan's position in that equation. How often do we um, have a tendency to forget what God has done for us and just ask for more and get mad when he doesn't give it? And so... Uh, um, uh, again, family, I just want us to think about that. Like the God is, uh, God is God. He can do what He wants, uh, and He has done so much in our lives. Um, let's look down to verse 33 through 34. Um, so yeah, how can death result in glory? A new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Why is this a new command? What do you guys think? Any thoughts? It kind kind of sounds similar to the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Really? Hmm. Maybe because they hadn't seen love like Jesus had showed before. What kind of love did Jesus show um, in the immediate context of this passage? What do you guys think? Caleb? He washed their feet. Okay, he washed their feet, which Nate broke down for us a few weeks ago. Just a, a very um, humbling thing to do and a thing that uh, um, a rabbi in that time period uh, wouldn't do because of his position. Um, he was in charge, so to speak. He wouldn't do what the servant would do. Um, and so Jesus actually humbles himself and serves his disciples. So I'm sure, as Caleb said, I'm sure they were thinking very, um, very much uh, about that event that had just happened when Jesus says this. What, what else is in the immediate context of this passage? What other ways um, did Jesus show his love for these men, or will he show his love for these men? Yeah, Dwan, laying down his life for them. Again, um, which we just spoke about, he's, he's about to go to the cross um, to free them from the penalty of sin so that we now, um, and they at that time, by faith alone, can be saved from slavery to sin. Hmm. So Colleen's saying it's kind of a, similarly to the, the Old Testament, kind of the law, you have to do this, live it out. We saw the Israelites fail, and now we see um, even more of a heart issue 
Um, we see, no, you know God's heart now. You've seen it. <laughs> mm. So yeah, through foot washing, um, I know personally, uh, I, I don't know if I was going to share this or not. I, I don't even have a watch, so... <laughs> I always said, E, what do you mean you can't see the clock? I mean, you cannot see that clock with those lights there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost done, folks. But um, um, one of the reasons why we do discipleship at MacAv, uh, I wanted to speak about briefly, just from my personal testimony. Um, when I was in college, many of you know this, Eric discipled me. Uh, he was on staff with Campus Crusade, and I was a, a college student at Michigan State. Um, thanks, buddy. And... Uh, Still serving me. Look at that. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget. We um, it was my first semester of discipleship with E, and uh, it was it was uh, that was coming to a close, and we we're getting ready to go off uh, as college students do for their summer, do whatever. And uh, myself and another one of the guys that Eric was discipling, Chris, were uh, um, we were going on a summer project with Campus Crusade, which is a a, a big summer mission trip where we go and we serve and we tell people about the love of Jesus. And, um, and out of the blue, Eric called us up and said, hey, can you come over for a little bit? I just wanted something. Uh, we knew he was leaving like the next day, so I, I thought he was just going to say goodbye. Uh, and we get there and, uh, um, you know, we sit down and we start talking and there's like a basin of water there. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what that's for. And, uh, and then Eric says, I'm, I'm going I'm to wash your feet. And so... Uh, Chris and I kind of sat there, kind of in awe, like, man, why, why is he going to wash our feet? And, you know, there was some cool Christian music going on in the background. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and what, what might sound like it might have been, like, cheesy or something, family, I'll, I can't express, like, how much that, in my mind, made what Jesus has done for me. Um, so much more clear, um, so much more clear to see a brother that I deeply love who's been, ser- who's been leading me um, humble himself and kind of commission us to go off uh, as we preach the gospel that summer. Um, and I thought, man, this is, what, uh, uh, this is what the love of Christ looks like, pouring your life into another person um, and equipping them to go and, and do what God has done in your life. And so... Uh, again, I know we talk a lot about discipleship at MacAv, um, but it, it stems from this reality that we um, we want to take this new command uh, to love sacrificially and to serve um, hum- humbly, uh, very serious. And that's why we spend so much time um, doing that on a one-on-one basis uh, here at MacAv. Um, so I want I want to just close with uh, some application points. I feel. Uh, this passage, and it's going to kind of illuminate this passage more, um, but this idea of this new command that, that we've been given. Okay, sorry. I've been not going through these. Uh, so what makes this command new? We already talked about that. The new covenant. Um, your love is now empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what... Um, that's a huge point, family. <laughs> I can't just skip over that. Uh, again, I think that's one piece that makes this new love uh, tangible, realistic. Um, it's no longer, okay, keep working at it, folks. But no, God is, God is saying, and, he's gonna, and Jesus is going to explain this in chapter 14 in just a minute, 
that we now have the Holy Spirit, this helper, um, to empower us to live this, this command out. Um, and so how does this look practically at MacAv? What are some ways um, that it should affect us uh, as a church body? Uh, the first one is um, here on Sunday mornings. I know uh, it can be very easy. I was even talking to, to Jason about this in our Mac groups. It can be very easy just to show up in events and uh, have fun, know that you love one another, uh, and just kind of kick it, have fun together. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but I think sometimes we can forget to be intentional. We can forget to say, um, man, I, w- I wonder what Mark was really going through this week. Um, I want to hear so I can be praying for him, so I can encourage him. Um, maybe I've gone through a similar thing in my past, and uh, God could use my words uh, to spur him on uh, to faith through a hard situation. Um, family, Sunday morning isn't just a time where we come and say, hey, what up? Let me tell you all what's going on in my, my life. <laughs> it's about me. Uh, we're, we're already prone to doing that by nature. <laughs> um, Let's, let's come as, much, as best we can as, as a church family desiring to get into one another's lives. This isn't just the responsibility of the pastors. I know you might see Eric and Leon and I getting into people's lives and say, oh, cool, they're doing it. No, no, we, we're in this together, family. Um, there's something called the priesthood of believers where we're all on mission. Um, and that's why we, we joke about this reality where we don't want new people to come in and know who the pastors are because we all want to be tight. We all want to be able to, uh, to dig into one of those lives, to share the scriptures clearly, um, to do what Jesus is commanding us here in this new commandment, to love one another. So family, I think, uh, I just want to challenge you. Um, Sunday mornings, don't come with the mentality just to, uh, to come and hang out and see what you can get. Come with the mentality to come uh, and pour your lives out amongst one another. Um, this is the family. Um, so being consistent in outreach is the next one. Um, our mindset toward outreach. And I, uh, I almost hesitate to still bring this point up because I know we've talked about it a couple of times in announcements and at prayer. Um, but fam, uh, I think it can be very easy uh, to kind of grow weary of outreach. And so that's why we come here. We encourage one another. Um, I know my, my <laughs> myself included, um, Sometimes I, uh, I hope that I, I won't just walk away from outreach um, with someone that I meet thinking, oh, man, that's a nice white guy selling me some fruit on the side of the road. <laughs> no. I, I hope they walk away saying, um, you mean God loves me? Even me? I'm out of Mac and Bewick. God loves me? He does. That's why I'm here. That's why, that's why we're proclaiming God's love for you through tangible actions. Um, so family, uh, don't grow weary of outreach. I, I challenge you. I know we had a lot of fun yesterday. Uh, um, it, was, it was great to see everybody working together. It was great to see progress. Um, but it was great. I was standing there just seeing people uh, interact and, and talk about Jesus. Um, some of the North Ridge guys that came down, they were just un, unshamefully, yeah, we're here because we love Jesus, you know, and telling some neighbors on the street. And I'm like, man, 
That's awesome. And they shake their head like, like they agree. <laughs> I've never even talked to that person about Jesus. That's awesome. Um, so family, continue to, to work hard. Exercise your, your outreach muscles at MacAv. Um, there is freedom, as Eric has proclaimed. We want to be grace-motivated. We don't want you to, to feel like, oh man, there's another thing on my to-do list. Um, but as Eric also articulated, we, uh, um, this is just being a Christian. Um, and we want, to be, uh, we want to see this community transformed, both spiritually and physically. Um, and it's going to happen as we get out and we follow Jesus' new commandment, filled with his Holy Spirit. And the last, uh, the last area, uh, in our marriages and our relationships. Um, again, marriage is such a unique uh, piece of life for those of us that are married. Those that aren't married yet, remember this <laughs> when you are married. Um, and, uh, and it also applies to your relationships now as well. But we've been given this mantle by Christ to reflect Jesus' love for the Trinity, husbands as we love our wives. Um, and Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus' love for the church. And that is not uh, an easy task. And so it's one that we are going to continually, as with outreach, as with loving one another here on Sunday mornings, uh, we're going to have to continually be spurred on in. There's going to be days when you're, you're not going to be in the right mood <laughs> to love your wife or your husband. Um, life is going to seem overwhelming. Um, projects that are unfinished are going to be weighing heavy on you and you're going to make a, a smart remark uh, to someone that's closest to you. Um, but family, don't live that way. <laughs> we have grace. Uh, but one of the reasons why this new commandment has been given to us is that we might reflect Christ in those relationships. Uh, I even think of earlier this week, um, Kelty, uh, um, how do I say, um, maybe was having more of an uh, emotional day, um, and I was having a hard time. Uh, she's not in the room good. And I was having a, <laughs> I was having a hard time being compassionate because I didn't understand why she was being more emotional about a certain topic. Um, and, uh, you know, in my, in my frustration, in my um, lack of really trying to understand, um, I was kind of harsh towards her. Not, I mean, I didn't yell at her, I didn't, um, but I wasn't compassionate um, to the emotion that was going on within her and really understanding what was going on. And, uh, uh, and family, I want to challenge us. Those are the moments where we just need to say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do this, but would you allow me to ask a good question? Would you allow me to put my arm around um, this person I love so much, and there's no reason why I wouldn't want to, <laughs> but right now, I don't, for some reason, I don't want to. <laughs> um, so family, if we're honest, we all need to continue to work uh, at asking, asking the Lord um, to allow us to live out this new command in our marriage relationships, in our dating relationships, and in our friend relationships, and it goes, it carries on down. Um, family, uh, let's do this all motivated by grace. Jesus gave this new commandment, this new command. How did his disciples respond? Just real quick. Peter basically said, wait a minute, you're leaving? <laughs> there wasn't even uh, a question. There wasn't even a reflection. 
on this new command that Jesus had just given. Um, but fam, don't get caught up in that, as I often do when I read this passage. Because in Acts 2, when they're given the Holy Spirit, the world is turned upside down by these 11 fishermen. <laughs> these 11 nobodies uh, because of the love of Christ filled by the Holy Spirit. That's why we can come to this community and say, Lord, we trust that you'll work. Because he's here. He's in us uh, if we have faith in Christ. So family, be encouraged this morning. Um, our faith shouldn't be a, a burden. It's not works motivated. Um, the new command that we've been given um, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, by faith. Don't be a Judas this morning. Have other gods in your life that you're worshiping, that you're paying attention to more than God. Family, uh, let's be excited as we leave this morning. Um, I'm going to close this in prayer. What we're going to do is we're going to do a brunch downstairs. But Before we do that, um, we're going to do tithe, and then we're going to uh, sing one last song. Um, and then we're going to, as quickly as possible, if you knew, we try to get downstairs quickly because we, we begin the meal off communally with communion. Uh, and so we want you to be there for that. And uh, again, I know Leanne said this already, there's plenty of food. Um, if you didn't bring anything, please stay anyway. Uh, we want to connect. We want to take this opportunity to, to love one another um, as Jesus has commanded. Father, thank you so much for your, your word. May it continue to... Uh, dwell richly in us as we encourage one another, as we operate out of faith, uh, as we reject sin, uh, as we um, enjoy life as the way it was meant to be lived with Christ at the center. Father, we love you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. So we're going to take the the offering now again. If you're new, please don't, uh, please don't,